You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hang on, let me find the red button. Do you take the blue pill or do you take the red pill? We're taking the red take- one today, listeners, and welcome to Geekiest Show Over Jesus Christ. What friggin' episode are we up to? <laughs> 94. 94, there we go. Kevin's on the ball. Kevin Older, welcome back to the show every single week. And how are you going, Kevin? I'm a, I'm a complete mess today. Yeah, you are really, you're a hot mess and then a little bit more on top of it. Uh, I so mean, this It's a warm day and, you know, I'm sweating in certain places. What can you expect? Yeah, he made a funny noise when he answered the when we started the call. I don't know what something stuck to his chair or he hit something or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what? I was trying. I was. It's very humid here today, and I was trying to sort of rearrange the body and the knee kind of went up and hit the the table and and everything almost went kaput. So, but but Kevin, see today, I I, get, I you know I can make an excuse for it because it is Australia Day. Ha-ha! I've got my Australian ah. flag hat on that I've just put on. And you know what's really funny? There was actually a, a train that was going up from Sydney to Newcastle, Newcastle being one of the outer uh, suburban areas. But it's it's really like a mini city between uh, Sydney and Brisbane kind of thing. Uh, anyway, it's called the Newcastle Flyer. And the funniest thing, Gretel goes, oh, you know, we'll take the kids out. Because right now where we are, we're opposite the train line. So literally... You know, across the main road, uh, we can see the trains go past. And she thought that it was a, a nice old steamer, and I had never heard of the Newcastle fly before. Anyway, we're waiting, waiting, looking at the time. Yep, yep, should be coming through, should be coming through. Anyway, it came through, and it just flew past. Literally, Newcastle <laughs> flyer. It was not a steamer. It was a diesel engine with just older-style carriages on the back, and it was like, man, that sucks. You're not running a steamer on the line anymore? It's like, oh, what a waste of my time. I, I spent an hour outside waiting for this event uh, to only find out that, oh, great, it's, um, you know, just a diesel and literally three seconds it had gone and I couldn't even capture a picture or a video or, or nothing. It was just disappointing. But, yes, the Newcastle Flyer flew straight past us. So uh, that, uh, that, that, that was my uh, Australia Day story. So, uh, you know... It, you, need, you need to... You need to put a picture of yourself with the hat in the show notes so the listeners can see you in your hat. Hey, hey, take take a screenshot, Kevin. Oh, wait a minute. How do you do that? Oh, my God. Come on, Dobbs. No. Oh, you know how? I know. I, I know how. I'm not a complete idiot like you. Oh, thanks. Got it. <laughs> I got it. You got You're it? Done. You got a good one? Awesome stuff. So there you go. So uh, happy Oh, Australia. my God. Uh-oh. Doesn't sound good. Do we need? Do we need to do a take two? No, <laughs> I don't think my monitor can handle take two of that face. <laughs> there you go. That's going to traumatize absolutely everyone. So uh, anyway, happy Australia Day to all Australians. I would sing the national anthem, but I do not want to bring shame on our great, wonderful land. Uh, so yes, that, there's that. And I do know the first verse, it's just the second and third that really screw me up and everyone else for that matter. Now, um, you know what, Kevin, I was watching a movie last night, Planet of the Apes, the 2001 edition. Don't go and facepalm. It's not that bad. Listen, you know, Tim likes Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I like just the Planet of the Apes 2001. And, you know, I, I like the traditional series, even the TV series. We know that I've, I've spoken about before. But I, I was watching the movie and I can't help but feel let down. 
you know, towards the end of the movie, he goes back up in, in the little space pod. He goes back through the electromagnetic field and, and he hopes that he can get back to his ship, but he doesn't. He comes back and lands back on Earth. Albeit back in his original time, he comes back, you know, the, the you know, couple of hundred years, three, four hundred years, however far it was, I can't recall. Uh, but the apes are still in control and the apes are in police uniforms and everything. And he gets to the Lincoln Memorial and crashes there. And, and Lincoln is, is an ape. And I've I got to say, just before I continue, boy, Americans love to poke fun at Abraham Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln and zombies and Lincoln and apes. I just, you know, <laughs> it's just really out there, the, the amount of different ways that you can poke fun at, at uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, but anyway, what, what I'm disappointed with is that whole setup was done with the thought in mind of, hey, let's go and make a sequel. And I'd, I'd like them to have an alternate ending. That they, I don't believe they have an alternate ending for that movie. But it, it just, I want it to end. It's like, can you just stay on, on the new Earth and not go anywhere? You know, just so that it ends that story arc. Because with, you know, fast forward 10 years to the rise of the planet of the apes, there's absolutely no relevance or, or linkage back to the 2001 or the, or the previous editions. You know, the, the previous uh, classic editions, as I like to call it, they closed out. You know, on, on, the, on the fifth movie, it, it basically closed out the storyline. It was like, okay, cool. I can believe that. That's sort of the end of the story arc. I'm not expecting another one. They could always do another one, but they didn't do another one. Uh, but the 2001 edition, it just needs a sequel. And I feel let down, Kevin. Well, you know... You have to learn one thing. Life's a bitch and then you die. So <laughs> Bugger. That sucks. That... No, I'm just uh, I know. You know, uh, an, an, another movie I watched this week, Ten Thousand BC, one of my favorite all time favorite movies, and I know that sci fi geeks are just rolling their eyes at the moment because nobody likes that movie, but I do. Um it's just a wonderful movie, but they actually, they finished it. There is no continuing storyline after that. They finished that story arc, and it worked. Reboot. It, <laughs> you know, it, it's the same as when I got the shits with Lord of the Rings, the very first Lord of the Rings movie. And, um, you know, they're, they're sort of, towards the end, they, they're going over the, the sort of hill kind of thing, so they can lead right. into the second movie. But it ends abruptly. And I'm sitting there edging my seat. Okay, what's going to happen? What? The credits? Are you fucking kidding me? Have to wait no. 18 months to two years to watch it again. Oh, Kevin, do you know that it took me about oh, probably six or seven years to actually watch that trilogy because I was so pissed off with that? I didn't want to see the second movie. It was like, nope, I'm not going to see it until the third's been released because then I can watch them as it should be. And then, of course, you know, they release the standard theatre edition, then you get the extended editions, and then you get the, the sub-extended editions, and there's too many versions now that I don't know which edition I should be watching. I have the collector's edition of the first, the first two, the Towers one is the second one, right? Yes. Okay, so I have collector's editions of the first and the second. I don't even think I own the third one. But they're really nice because they look like um, 
novels. They actually kind of look like a book. And yeah, when you I've open seen, them up, the DVDs. Yeah, yeah, they're really nice. I like those. Yeah, and you know, I I wasn't sure if I'd like the movie, and I have to admit, the first time I watched both of those movies, I got I actually got distracted from the story because of the cinematography in those movies. Mm. It is to me, it is freaking gorgeous. It is amazing. Granted, I wasn't even watching it on a high def TV. I was just watching it on a reg. Well, what the hell am I saying? I would still watch it on a regular no, TV. I don't def. have I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standard def television. I don't have a high def TV. I might watch it on my Mac, and it would be, but yeah. they're still standard def. They're DVDs, but the cinematography, the colors, and the it looks so good. And it looks so real that the first time through, I actually missed part of the story watching the movie. <laughs> but I mean, I knew I knew the story could catch into it. You know, sure. I mean, of course, I knew it, but it was that good. I mean, the cinematography in that movie was just that good and that enthralling. I haven't watched it for a while, so I'm not so sure if it would still hold up. But I bought it when it first came out, and I was just sitting there going, oh, my God. My wife's sitting there going, what are you watching? And I told her, she went, oh, I hate that. And I said, I know you do, but look at the picture. It's gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's a funny thing, because I was on uh, Twitter the other day, and and the topic about, uh, you know, the Star Trek uh, Episode 7 you know, it was sort of being released and, and it was going to be done by J.J. Abrams. And, uh, you know, he did, of course, the uh, 2009 Star Trek, which we both love. And then people are going, okay, what can he bring to Star Wars? Lens flare. And it's like, <laughs> I, I sent out a message to whoever posted it saying, do you realize, I think it was Joe T. Ray, actually. I, I said, do you realize that I never even noticed the lens flare until you guys started talking about it? And now when I watch Star <laughs> Trek 2009, I see the lens flare and I go, no. Uh, uh, some, sometimes I just shouldn't be on Twitter because it, it ruins the experience. Well, you know what I missed the first time through on that movie was the part where Spock says Uura's first name. Ah, okay. How did you I, miss I, that though? Well, it's a very quiet portion in the movie, and they're kind of talking, and then you got Kirk standing over to the side, and, you know, it's kind of like a, it's that little lull before the, the... Yeah, before the... The, so, the big scenes. Yeah. And and sometimes you're, if you've been watching a movie, at least I do, I will, when I hit those little lulls, that's when I'll miss some little things in a movie. But, to my uh, credit... I end up watching most of these movies six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. So the stuff I missed the first time or two through, by the third time, I usually pick up all the pieces because then I'm watching, then I start watching for more of the details, which I think is what annoys my family that I watch for so many of the details. <laughs> and they're going, I'll say, wait, wait, you're going to see, what, 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 what? <laughs> and you know, I, I must admit that that is something because some movies that I haven't seen for you know five or six years that I still do really enjoy, but you know they're not on the mainstream collection. Uh, you know, I watch back and it's like, you know what? I don't recall that scene. I don't remember that scene. Or I'll I'll pick something else out of the movie. So there may be something that comes up that further explains the movie. So, I mean, take, for instance, a a couple of movies that totally bedazzled me. 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't understand that movie. And Blade Runner. 
I cannot figure out that movie at all. I keep watching it. Every time I watch it, I get this migraine headache. I just, I don't <laughs> get it. I don't get those two movies. Those two movies in sci-fi just really throw me out. And I keep watching them every couple of years because I want to go through that learning cycle of, okay, my mind is maturing. Maybe I'm actually picking up something additional here. Maybe I'm actually... And I have noticed that over the years, that a, a, t- a, a taste in not the genre, perhaps, but the quality of the storytelling, you know, now compared to 10 years ago, has to be superior for me. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I loved the, the Scream franchise, Scream 1 through to 3, and um, now I can't stand the movies. You know, it's just, there's no story, it's not really horror, it's kind of playing off against horror movies, and if I want to watch a horror movie, I really want to watch a horror movie, I want to be scared, I don't want to be going, hey, run out the door, don't run up the stairs! So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it, there's, like I say, I'll pick up a lot of bits and pieces, and then I think, the other thing too, after you watch a movie enough times, I start looking for the... Uh, what do they call them? Not Easter eggs, but the um, mistakes. The mistakes, the continuity mistakes in a movie. You know, where somebody would be standing there holding a white a white towel or something, and then they cut back and they're holding a green one. You know, or something <laughs> like that. Stuff like like that, or you know, I start finding all those continuity mistakes, and I enjoy that. That's to me, that's part of the movie watching experience for some reason. In my twisted mental process. Don't say a word. I'm looking right at you. Don't say a word. But in my twisted mental state, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my twist, somehow that all makes sense to me, and it, it just adds to the enjoyment of the movie. Well, you, you know, know. You, you take out what you want, really, don't you? I mean, not everyone's going to like the same thing, agree with the same thing. Um, you know, there's, I'm sure there's some people, and even Star Trek fans, who would absolutely hate the 2009 reboot of Star Trek. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. Not everyone's going to agree and everyone's going to take something different away from it. That's why people love Blade Runner. It's a cult classic. People do genuinely love it. I just honestly can't understand it. I need someone to sit with me who does understand it, watch the movie side by side so that I can have question time and say, um, what the hell? <laughs> you know, uh, it, so, you know, whereas some movies that I'd watch, I'm sure other people wouldn't get, you know, I, I know just within my own family that Gretel doesn't get some of the movies that I watch. Uh, you know, one of my all-time favourite sci-fi movies is, is called Moon. And, uh, you know, it's literally just one guy on the moon. And, you know, we've spoken about it before on the show, but the thing is... Yep. Everyone in my family doesn't understand why I love it. And it's like, but it's, it's pure isolation, pure loneliness, pure despair when you find out that you're not real. You're just a clone of the original guy and that the family that you've been watching on the video clips aren't real either. They're not your family. And it's just a psychological, probably thriller is the best term for it. And it just really makes you think and it hits you emotionally and stuff like that. And I've said to them all, listen... Turn off the lights, watch this thing at 10 o'clock at night, and just turn off everything. Concentrate on just being the guy. Be the guy, he's on his own, he's doing his job, he wants to get home to his family, but he can't, and he never can. And put yourself in his shoes, live vicariously through him. And then it's an amazing film. But if, if if you can't put yourself into the film, 
then there's no way you're going to enjoy that film. You're going to hate that film. It it takes a lot for me to do that, to put myself into a film like that. I know what you're talking about, though. And I think I may have mentioned this on the show before. Years ago, and I mean years ago, there was a movie shown on American television called The Day After. And it was about nuclear war. And it was about the lead-up to and nuclear attack, the missiles launch, you know, and then they follow people's lives through it. And I got so engrossed in that movie that I remember after it was over, getting up, walking over and opening the door and looking outside going, <laughs> is the world still here? You know? Yes. And, you know, Kevin, that's that what's kind good of about experience. Absolutely. And that's with horror movies as well. You, you know, you want to set up the atmosphere. You want to be scared when you watch a horror movie. Everyone knows I'm afraid of spiders, but I love arachnophobia. It is wonderful. I love eight-legged freaks. I turn the lights off, and I scare myself to hell. It, part of me knows, hey, you know what? It's okay. You're not in any danger. But then the other part of me gets freaked out. What's behind me? What's behind me? All this kind of stuff. And I, actually, you know what's funny? I, I came across a new TV series this week also. Um, uh, William Shatner has been doing for about three seasons called Weird or What? And the episode I, I came across was, uh, you know, is there an afterlife and so forth? And he's done, you know, monsters. He's done... It's like paranormal kind of stuff that, you know, cannot be proven, cannot be unproven. Uh, so, you know, you sort of just take it how it is and, and, you know, whether you like that content or not is up to you. But, you know, you kind of get sort of creeped out a little bit. It's like, oh, really? The Walking Dead? You know, zombies and, and stuff like that. And it's like, could it be possible, you know? And you know in your head, no, it's not. But your senses, you know, give you that sensory experience. Whenever I watch something like, uh, you know, Ghost Hunters or something. I watch that because then it's like, yeah, I swear someone's looking at me. You know, I swear that, you know, uh, someone's in the room with me. And, um, you know, it's that kind of experience that I like with with anything I watch, whether it's TV, whether it's movie. I I like an experience. I like to, uh, I guess, feel uh, with, with all my senses, the environment, the surroundings... That kind of stuff. You want to live a bit vicariously. and You want to have that um, uh, almost, I hesitate to use the term, but almost the out-of-body experience that that stuff can happen and, and things like that. And then, No, I, I understand that. I'm just, you know, some of the movies you watch to get that, though I'm a little worried about <laughs> you, frankly, my friend. Um, because I think there might be some other ways to have some out-of-body experiences and and be a little safer, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm quite con- I'm quite content with my uh, my weird and wacky TV shows and movies and so forth. I, uh, I I like to turn it off and you know turn the lights off and just have a great time. You know the same thing uh, with music. Um, you know I, I love music, but I'm a big believer if you have to feel the music, don't just have it playing. I want to feel it coursing through my body. So of course you know. I'll, Turn the volume up and, uh, you know, feel the beat of the music coming through. You've never done that, Kevin. You're looking at me weird. Everybody, Kevin, thinks that I'm an absolute nutball at this point in time. I'm talking about my feelings and he's giving me the look of what the hell has he been smoking? Um, But you feel the... All right. Disclaimer, first of all. 
again, we've talked before, I think on NAMP and maybe here, my entire music collect, digital music collection <laughs> would fit on a floppy disk. Okay. That, that being let, said. Let, but, let, but, let, but, let me propose this to you. Thunderstruck. I'm, I'm married. I'm married. <laughs> I'm not going there. ACDC's Thunderstruck. A set of good quality headphones turned up to max. You'll kill a few brain cells, you'll kill your hearing, but you'll feel the music just go through your head. It'll give you scrambled brains. It's wonderful. You put it on the big stereo and you feel the house vibrate. You feel it move. You sit there. You've got that experience. The sound is so immersive that... The, the sound waves literally penetrate your body and give you that full, complete experience. Very similar to what you'd get, you know, going to a concert, for instance. You get that, that full type of thing. And that's one way that I just love to, to listen to music. In fact, my hearing is now so questionable that I actually can't listen to music on headphones anymore because I get crackling and pops. It's like I've got an LP playing in my head. <laughs> Oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> so, no, no. Now, now I, I listen to all the music on the stereo, but you know what? I still turn it up. I still give the neighbors hell, and I, I just love listening to, to music. It's great fun. Yeah. I, I, and admittedly, I used to do that when I was much younger. I'd crank up ACDC, Van Halen. I was a bit, well, I'm still a Van Halen fan. So I would crank it up and listen to it. I think recently, you know, the, the last song I remember really cranking up and listening to was. Uh, Oh, uh, Buck Cherry song, Crazy Bitch. Mm, you not, know the not song? I'm familiar with that one, I don't think. I, I'm familiar the, with Buck Cherry, but not the song. Yeah, it's, a, yeah it's, it, I, it's, it's got some really foul language in it, but it's got a great beat to it. Mm-hmm. And I do, I have cranked it up and just sat here and, you know, do the whole <laughs> Do a little the whole dance, thing. sing a little song, <laughs> get down tonight. Make a, get, get down make tonight. a little love, get down tonight. <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, man, Kevin and Dan said literally across the world. Oh, uh, boy, this is just too funny. Hey, too funny. I told somebody this. Too. I told somebody this week, I said, they were saying something. I said, hey, I experienced the 70s. I may not remember a lot of it, but I know <laughs> I think I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm pretty damn sure I liked it. Oh, that's funny. Well, you know what? I was born in 79, so I, I'm, I'm still a 70s child. I just got in. I scraped in, so I'm still a member of the 70s clan. Well, I, I was a child of the 60s and almost a child of the 50s, so we won't go any further than that. <laughs> uh, and you know what, Kevin, talking about music, I, actually, this is probably a good little time to plug the new podcast that I'm doing with Sam Montooth. And uh, you might remember Sam. He's been on Not Another Mac podcast, uh, you know, quite a few times. Really nice guy. He's a bass player and so forth. And just a lover of music as I am. So we're going to do this new podcast. It's called Track Talk. And, uh, you know, it, it, Kevin, if you were more into music, I could talk music. You know, but you're not the biggest fan of music. So I've decided to branch out and do just one more show. So that'll make three in total. I don't think I can do any more than three. But this one will be bi-weekly. So it's not going to be every week. Um, And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the artists and the bands that we love and we enjoy and that we grew up with and and that we continue to experience. But we're not going to talk about the controversies. We're not going to talk about the media hype and the media bullshit. It's just going to be about the music. It's going to be about taking an album and dissecting it, taking a song, dissecting it. You know, talking about... 
what our first experience with this particular artist was. Uh, so it's a very different type. You know, we're not trying to be audiophiles. We're not trying to be, uh, you know, music reviewers or anything like that. We're just trying to express our love for music and share uh, that love for music. So, for instance, uh, the first week uh, we're going to talk about one of Sam's favourite bands, which is going to be The Police. You know, I know of The Police. I like their music when I hear it on the radio. Do I own any of it? No, I don't. So I need to actually go and start researching, start listening and so forth, and then sort of going down that track of, of exploring. So it's going to be someone who's listened to The Police for many years and enjoyed it versus someone like me who, uh, you know, is coming into it fairly fresh and fairly new. So it's certainly going to bring a, a different view into uh, different music styles. And look, we're going to go right across genres. I mean, I, I go from classical music to heavy metal. Uh, I love it all, everything in between. Um, so you're not, it's going to be like a box of chocolates. You're not going to know what you're going to get out of this new podcast each and every single week. We're not going to inform you of what's on the next episode. We're just going to uh, deliver it and, and you'll have to stay tuned. Uh, tuned in to actually so so that'll be released uh, mid-February we're hoping uh, it'll actually come out the first episode and it will be on the Stoplight Network so if you do get these shows via the Stoplight Network feed uh, it'll automatically pop in there if not go and search for Track Talk on iTunes plug done well, I, <laughs> I know I, I think that's great and, and let me clarify I, again I don't own much music I did used to listen to a lot of music Unfortunately, my tastes anymore, and I've said this before, I enjoy listening to podcasts more than I enjoy listening to music. Now, I do have like two or three playlists on my uh, uh, iPods. I don't, mm-hmm. there might be one on my iPhone, I'm not sure. But it, it's not that I don't listen to music, but it's a very, very small part, except for Christmas music, a very, very small part of my enjoyment mm. of, of music. I, I used to listen to it a lot as a kid. I did listen to it. I, I, had al- I still have my albums, you know, and I'm talking real albums, vinyl, pressed plastic albums. I still have my 45s, pressed plastic, you know, discs. Um, not a CD, kids. The real mm-hmm. deal. Um, and I still listen to it occasionally. It's just that as I've gotten older, there was that changeover, and you know, I, I I appreciate. I I also don't listen to a lot of new music. I don't try to discover music. I know people are always talking about, hey, I want to go out and discover new music. It's so important. That's why people like things like uh, was it Pandora, and stuff like mm-hmm. that that lets them discover new music. I have some Pandora stations, but when I'm listening to them, I have like a Pandora Christmas station. I have an ACDC station. <laughs> Um, and I think I have a, uh, big bang, uh, big bang, big band, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thirties and forties, uh, music that I listen to. And that's really about it. I mean, I do listen to some heavy metal, uh, but it, music just isn't as big a part of my life as it was years ago. So I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm an old fart. I whatever. <laughs> you know what? People change and your likes and your interests change. You know, as I said, a few of the movies that I, I used to love 10 years ago, I can't stand now. Uh, so I think as you sort of change throughout the years, you do change. I hope that I never lose the love for, for music, uh, movies, television shows, books and reading. I hope I, I just never lose 
the interest in, in those fields because, uh, you know, like you, Kevin, I actually did because, you know, I've been in podcasting now for, you know, a couple of years and, um, you know, I, I listened to podcasts for many years before then and I've actually slowed down on my podcast listening. I now pretty much only listen to the shows that have people on that I personally know, if you know what I mean. So if I've done a show with you or if I know you personally and we talk, great. If you're MacBreak Weekly, I've, I've dropped MacBreak Weekly. Not because I didn't like the show or the format, but it was just one of those surplus things that, okay, I don't need you in my life anymore. I can spend that two hours, which, you know, 90% of it was advertising. I can I can spend that time listening to my music collection. So I've kind of changed my likes in podcasts, and I still listen to a lot, but I don't obsess over it anymore. I don't. I know you've got hundreds uh, in your podcasting list, and uh, now if I'm running like two shows behind, I like I just delete the shows and I go the latest show now, because um, there's so much good content out there, and and uh, you know a lot of the time if you get stuck behind, you really get stuck behind, and it's hard to catch up. So uh, I had to actually make a, a bit of a decision to, hey, cut down on that, cut down on Twitter as well, which I have, and, um, you know, start to slow back down to normal and just, you know, put the disc in, press play, and sit. Don't worry don't yeah. worry about anything else. Admittedly, you need that time. I mean, I've got that time because I work from home. So I can, you know, you've got the commute, unfortunately, and you know, I, I know I, I've had a long commute, you know, hour each way uh, over the years at different times. You can't properly listen to music and enjoy music when you're driving on the road. You can listen to a podcast. And I, that's one way that I used to consume a lot of podcasts as well, uh, was listening on the road. But music, you can't enjoy it. It's just background noise, you know, in between swearing at someone who's cut you off and flipping them the bird, you know. You're not enjoying that latest album of that band that you really really love there's no possible way to do that when you're stressed out and all you want to do is get home and then try and relax so uh yeah everyone yeah. does it differently and uh and you know talking about discovery of music i'm hoping that this sh- new show will actually help people discover new artists it's helping me discover new ones i'm giving my suggestions to sam and we're going to come up and say you know what Mate, that sucks, or that is brilliant. Why didn't I ever hear of those guys again? You know, one example uh, of a band that I only just recently came across uh, in the last month is Whitesnake. Um, you know how sometimes on the radio you hear the songs and you know the songs and you're like, but who knows what band they are? And maybe you haven't heard this song for 20 years because their biggest hits were in the late 80s, early 90s. And you kind of find it on iTunes or wherever you find good music. And you go, oh, that's the song. That's the one I've been <laughs> looking for. And then you go, there's the other one. There, whoop, whoop. And, and now literally I'm, I'm going through a you know, whole stage of collecting White Snake albums um, and have fallen head over heels in love with the, the White Snake uh, music collection and so forth. So, yeah, you can miss so much as well. That, that's where music discovery is good. But, you know... You, you know how I listen to music a lot of times when I listen anymore? And, and listeners and deport, I'll apologize to Sam ahead of time. I listen to it on YouTube. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. Because oh, oh, oh. what will happen is when I do listen to some music, 
What I'll I'll do is I'll I'll there'll be a song that I want to hear like uh, let's say ACDC uh, Highway to Hell. Use that one as an example, mm-hmm. and I'll put that on. You know, YouTube comes up with other suggestions after the video finishes. Yep. So you sort of go through and take the suggestions and and sort of watch those. But the uh... bad part is, bad part is with a lot of those things, I can only listen to. You know, you might come up with a three minute song. About forty five to sixty seconds in, I, I'm I'm looking for the next recommendation. <laughs> I, I, Look, I, I'll say this much: I see they say I absolutely love them. I've got every album, every song they've ever produced. One big problem, though, they make music that you know. Once you get into the lyrics, it's like, no, nah, I, I can go the next track. You know, it's that guitar riff, it's that that basic beat that they've got down pat at the beginning of every song that makes the song, that makes it a, a hit and so forth, it's not so much the lyrics. Um, you know, the, the lyrics are very... I, I guess they're probably... I, I don't know if you'd class them as hard rock. You certainly wouldn't class them as heavy metal anymore because um, they're much mellower than, you know, the, the metal side of things have become. Certainly 20 years ago, they would have been heavy metal. Now i just class them as hard rock. And... Um, but the the lyrics just don't come out smoothly. It's like I need to literally go to that CD booklet and <laughs> actually read the lyrics to follow along because you will get the wrong lyrics if you're sitting along to an ACDC yeah. song. You will not understand what it's about and you will get the wrong lyrics just because that's the way the vocalist is. It's not bad. Yeah. He's a good vocalist. Um, you know, I've got no arguments about that. But it, it's that type of music that you know some people like to sing along, other people don't, and then. When other people love a band and love a song and then sing it and then get it wrong, I just I face palm and just laugh at them. You know, it's like, no, that's not the lyrics. You need to go and read the little lyric sheet. Ah, it's fun just to sing the fake lyrics anyway. <laughs> For some people. I just make I just make up my own damn words and go on with it. I because uh, I'll be I'll be out working somewhere and I'll some so suddenly some lyrics will pop into my head. And then it drives me crazy till I can figure out the song that it goes to and stuff like that. And I've been known to be out in the front yard mowing as much as I hate mowing, so i got to distract myself some way. You know what's funny? Um, I actually enjoy mowing. Since moving to the new house and, and I've got a big you know quarter-acre block, I actually enjoy it. It gets me away from the kids. and I get, you know, I'm, I'm no longer, Daddy, Daddy, can I have a drink? Daddy, Daddy, can I have an ice block? Daddy, Daddy, Nicholas was mean to me. I don't have to put up with that. I just, you know, big, old, loud lawnmower, just, you know, going down, and I can spend two hours mowing the lawn. I absolutely love it. It's absolutely perfect. You're a sick son of a bitch is what you are <laughs> if you like mowing the grass. I, 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 I really enjoy it, but you know what? I, I got a, a battle scar last week, Kevin, because a, a rock uh, picked up on the, the blade and, and came through and, and, and kind of ate into my leg and now I got a hole in my leg so yeah, yeah that kind of sucks you know what's worse than that I tell you what's worse than the lawnmower throwing stuff use a weed whacker and have it pick up a rock <laughs> man I had that sucker take a hunk out of my forehead one time blood running down I came in the house and the kids go daddy had blood running down my face Cause you know when you cut your face it oh does, yeah it bleeds yeah it. It bleed, it, it, a little it cut bleeds profusely. So much, and, and yet you're not going to die from it. But it's like, oh, I'm woozy. 
But I but I walked in and blood all running down my face. The kids are going, ah! <laughs> and this little pebble flew up, bit me in the forehead. So yeah, yeah no, it's, they, uh, they come they come pretty hard actually. I I got um got rained out last week, so I've actually got to sort of finish it off this week. I've only got the nature strip up near the road to do, and then I go get the weed whacker out and and do that. And hopefully I won't you know chop any toes off in the process. It, it's one of those things that's um I like the mowing, but the the weed in and the edge in is a just a little bit more troublesome than I actually enjoy. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of mowing. I just, it, I think you have to do it every week. And even if you do it, you still got to do it again. The damn stuff keeps growing. Can I get so I need a grass that's thick, lush, green, and only has to be mowed once a month. <laughs> you just need to put down fake grass. I have thought of that and have, <laughs> Priced it. It is too expensive. <laughs> I uh, well, believe me, that thought yeah, but, crossed my mind. You, you know what's hilarious? You only have to do it for half of the year. I have to do it through winter. We don't get snow. Now, admittedly, in winter, we only have to do it once a month. But you get like six months of the year off while it's snowing. Well, no, so, uh, I the year, not the month. Six months of the month. Jesus Christ, I am six months. Six months of the month. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? It must be this heat. I'm absolutely screwing up my uh, vocabulary today. It's yeah. It's no, just I, uh, I usually have to start mowing in March, and a lot of times it's November before I quit. That's all right. You're still on holidays from mowing now. What are you complaining about? Because I can hear the damn stuff outside growing. <laughs> I was, I was. We had a little bit of a warm snap before we hit the cold snap we're currently in, mm-hmm. and a couple of the dandelions and my wife's daffodils started to pop up. Yep. I went, go away, go away, and then it turned bitter cold this week, so all the shits died. Now, and so I'm went, happy. Woo-hoo. So, yeah, let, maybe. Let, let me ask you, because you know, not not being in a, a snow uh, area and so forth, what actually happens? Like, you know, you got blankets of snow laying on the grass and so forth for, you know, say a month at a time uh, before there's really a break. And that. Does the grass actually die underneath or does it keep growing? What What's the, the process there? It, well, I don't know. If the root system supposedly keeps growing. I'm no... I'm I'm not a botanist or a horticulture. Well, well, let's put it this way: when when the uh, the ice melts, what do you see? Do you see a luscious lawn, or is it patchy? Is it is it sort of? Uh, it's 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 green greenish brown looking. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of dead looking, but then as soon as the weather warms up, it'll turn green and start to grow again because there's if there's plenty of moisture in the ground. Because, so, of course, all plant life is, is you know, a, a result of photosynthesis. And, and without direct sunlight, you sort of wonder how does it keep surviving and how does it keep going? Um, yeah, it, it doesn't... The, things? The, the soil doesn't go bare. No, I mean, it doesn't kill it off and go away. Hmm. Uh, and especially the damn weeds. They uh, seem to <laughs> proliferate anyway. i got to spray my yard again to kill those things. I hate weeds. But no, it does. I mean, it does, you know, but now here, and it's not only true here, we don't usually have snow cover for more than a few weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, the snow we had at Christmas laid around for oh, about two weeks, maybe a little bit more. And then it was, it's been all gone until the last, the little snow we had yesterday and it covered the grass. And then we had some, a little bit more today. We've had like three 
maybe three and a half inches over the last couple of days. Great, and it's been so cold that it's a real dry, powdery snow. Matter of fact, when I go out tomorrow, I got to clean the driveway and the sidewalk off again. I'm just going to start my leaf blower, mm-hmm. and I can literally just blow it. Wow! There's not enough. There's not enough to use the snow blower. It's that white. It's real light and powdery, mm-hmm. and I can just take the leaf blower <laughs> and blow it off the driveway and off the sidewalk. It'll look like it's snowing again at first when I start to do it, but <laughs> that'd be fun. I actually, I'd love to see a video of you doing that, just to see the, the big, you know, sort of puffs of, of snow sort of go up and then come down. You know, just fun. I mean, you know, for for someone living in a country who doesn't have a lot of snow and who doesn't, you know, ever go to the snow out here anyway, I don't see this kind of stuff. So it's always unique and interesting for me to uh, experience this kind of stuff. Much, much like me seeing these giant huntsman spiders that uh, and, and thanks again to Dorothy for posting another wonderful oh, no. spider idea. I, that, I, that, I that, that one where it was point. sucking it in the vacuum, taking it outside and saving it's like but they come back in yes. <laughs> I know they I, I'm not a I'm not a cruel person you know I, yeah you are, I, you're cruel to me every week Okay, but I'm talking to the general population and animals. Oh. You're a separate person. So I'm even lower than the animal chain. Wonderful. Hear that, listeners? Oh, I don't know. What? Why do I put up with Kevin? Because <laughs> just because you want to no hear me. But that's because you want to hear me talk about Honey Boo Boo. That's no, I don't. Although, yeah. although this week I actually do want to hear you talk about Honey Boo Boo because you got a complaint or a dislike or something like that. And I'm intrigued. You actually have a problem. Well, well we, we know you've got problems, but... Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, the new, I, I swore to myself after last season, I wasn't going to watch it anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it, came, it came back on, and I must have a problem because I can't stop watching this damn show. And it's getting even more disgusting and more ridiculous, and I keep watching it. I need help. I need Honey Boo Boo Anonymous or something like that. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I'm sitting. This, the, a recent episode, they filmed them getting up and getting out of bed, and the mother takes a spoon that she's used in the kitchen at some point and starts digging and scratching at herself down her shirt and stuff with it. I'm going, oh, that's gross. What's happening next? And I'm just, oh my god! Did she then use it to eat cereal with in the morning? Now, this is one of those big cooking spoons, you know, like you stir a pot with. Oh, oh, I hope she washed it afterwards. I don't know, but I can't stop watching this show. It's. I think I have a problem, Mark. You do. I I, you know, I, for, I for all the problems and the craziness that I have, Kevin, when, when uh, you, you get addicted to a show like Honey Boo Boo... That's a serious thing. I mean, we, we need to get you some professional help. I can just see the white suits coming for you now. Um. <laughs> I mean, when I can sit there and actually watch somebody talk about uh, they make multi-meals and how she cooks for the kids, where she just gets all the crap out of the fridge, throws it in a pan, and then sits there with her hands... You know, and and mixes it all together. And I mean, this is like she just poured barbecue sauce, chicken, vegetable. I oh, it's disgusting, and I can't stop watching it. It's just, it's terrible. I feel guilty. It's like a bad train wreck. 
You know, you about train. You know, you don't want to look. You know, there's carnage. You know, there or car wreck. I should say, not train wreck, because that'd be dating ourselves. It's terrible, but you look. You, you have to look. And that's what it's like for me to watch Honey Boo Boo. I can't stop looking. At, l- at least we know one good thing, that you acknowledge that you've got a problem. That's the first step to recovery, Kevin. That's true. And I have to admit, there's one of my friends, uh, uh, Sheila, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, bless her heart. She's a single lady. Um, and she sent out a tweet back around Christmas time. says someone or New Year's. She said, how lonely and depressing is it when here is New Year's? I'm all alone. And then I think about June, whatever her last name is, on the Honey Boo Boo show, and she's got a boyfriend that lives with her. How <laughs> bad are things for me then? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bless her heart. Yeah, oh, I felt dear. bad for her. Then I think of that disgusting woman there and all the all the stuff. They got a chicken in the house now. They're keeping a chicken in the house, and it's crapping all over the house, and it's their new pet. Like, oh, jeez, what is wrong with you people? You're giving rednecks who think rednecks are rednecks bad names. <laughs> oh, it's, I can't stop watching it. It is, it is truly a sickness. Someone save me, please. You, you know what you've got to do, Kevin? All you've got to do is, at the time when it's on TV, just switch across to Star Trek and watch an episode of Star Trek. I can't turn it. <laughs> It won't work. I need an. Inter- oh. I need a boo boo intervention. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he he is one sick puppy. Kevin is completely out there, listeners. And uh, if anyone's got any advice on on what Kevin can actually do to alleviate his problem, uh, please send an email to gse at mymac dot com. I'm sure that he would appreciate any advice. If you, too, have had a honey boo-boo out-of-body experience, uh, you know, please tell us how you actually got past it. <laughs> so not only did that show come back on, but another show that I watched that you you can't stand, Total Blackout with Urkel is back oh, on. God, he got a second season. Jeez, what are they licking now? Uh, I don't know, but they were sniffing armpits the other day. What little bit I saw of it, it was. What else were they was sniffing things? I, you know, and then they had this part. What was? I gotta watch it because I haven't seen a whole. I I didn't realize the season had started, so I've been DVRing it and I got it set up. So I think maybe tomorrow evening, settle in with the family and have a nice total blackout marathon. Good lord! Again, listeners, I I. But I like and that. Kevin thinks I watch wacky stuff. No, I know you watch wacky stuff. I'm just a little abnormal. <laughs> a little? Uh, you know what? I, I think we. I think both of us watch a, a little bit of uh, stuff that's a little left of the center. And uh, you know that that's the wonderful world we live in. If we all agreed with the same thing and liked the same thing, wouldn't it be friggin' boring? Yeah, I, I and honestly, I haven't been a little anything for about forty years. So. <laughs> Uh, well, on that note, let's talk about something else that's little, um, and that's the iPad Mini. Now, everyone knows I'm an Apple fan, and you know, on this show we try to stay, you know, pretty much agnostic right across the board. So, call it Android, call it what you want. 
It's a 7.98 inch tablet kind of thing. Now, the interesting thing, Kevin, is I've been uh, this whole week doing all my work, all my production work, all my writing, editing. I've actually even made my editor, uh, you know, change from using text edit RTF files to using pages so that I could just have all my workflow on this little beautiful iPad. And, um, you know, then what I got to thinking pretty much before the show, uh, you know, uh, this whole week I've had my, my iMac on for maybe 15 minutes, and I've been so productive. I've got a lot of work done this week, which is good because that work kind of pays the bills. Um, and, and, you know, I was sort of thinking, well, how long is it going to be until we're not going to see a desktop computer anymore? Uh, or even a laptop computer, like a, a main uh, operating system, if you will. So, you know, be it Mac, be it Windows. Um, you know, how long until the iOS devices and the Android devices take over and that's all we use? I mean, for me personally, uh, it's recording the podcast that I can no longer do. And if I'm writing an instructional, uh, you know, step-by-step guide on how to use the Mac or an application on the Mac then I, of course, have to have the Mac on for that to do that. But everything else can be done on this little device, a few hundred dollars in value with just a series of apps that are readily available. And once you actually use it for a week or so and, and, and stuff like that, you get so used to it that you go back to the Mac with the, the keyboard and mouse and you're like, oh, geez, what am I doing here? And do I need this? And, and so forth. Um, so I'm just sort of... Interested to see what your opinion is, you know, are we going to see that, you know, you buy your next Mac, for instance, when you upgrade next, and I know you've only got an 18-month-old iMac, so you'll probably hold on to it for three to four years more, as long as it's it's supported, but by that stage, is, is the Mac and is Windows going to be completely superseded for these tablet devices, and I have a feeling that the more we get advanced the more that you'll be able to do more work just on a tablet and then you won't actually need the full experience of a desktop operating system now admittedly i'm a writer and a podcaster i don't do a lot of video uh you know i don't do programming you know there's all those aspects of you know hey what can you do with something like that versus a desktop obviously there's going to be people who need raw processing power but how far away really is a tablet device? I mean, okay, I acknowledge it's a little bit slower than a Mac would be. But it's not so much slower that I go, hey, this isn't usable. So if they throw all their production values into these tablets and, and all their, their research and development into these tablets, are we going to see these tablets just catapult and overtake the computer industry as a whole, we've already seen Apple famously, uh, you know, even in the earnings call this last week, uh, stated that, um, you know, the, the iPad's digging in well into uh, the PC market. And in fact, it's actually digging into their own Mac market. Uh, but, you know, they're not worried because they're bringing people into the ecosystem. But it's sort of, I don't know, Kevin, am I just thinking too futuristic? I mean, maybe in 20 years' time, There'll be nothing like a desktop operating system. Maybe it'll all be on on just tablet, thin glass devices. But is is it something that in another five years we could see it change? I mean, 
we look at it, it's only really been five to six years since iOS came out. Android's been out for probably around about the same time, maybe a little bit less. Um, and they, they've come along in leaps and bounds, really. I Well, you know, I think I subscribe to a fairly popular train of thought on this, is that I think that you're going to have, a, I guess it was Steve Jobs, you know, the trucks and the cars type of thing, the tablets being the cars and the... Uh, the PCs being the trucks. I know for the type of work and the current workflow I have, a desktop slash laptop computer is essential. I have tried multiple times to to try to adapt my workflow over to a tablet, and I can do some of my workflow. I'm not saying I can't do it, do any of it, but it doesn't match up a hundred percent with what I do. And I've tried it both personally and professionally. Personally, the one thing it has that it does help is that I can, uh, when I'm traveling for personal reasons, I don't really find the need to take a laptop with me anymore where I did. So the, the tablet has that in one area that has supplanted the need for me to have a, a full desktop computer with me. I mean, because between a tablet, namely my iPad and my phone, I've got everything I need and I can and work with it with the various services and applications, excuse me, the other things that I can do. But there are things that I have to do for work when I'm doing uh, report writing, and I'm talking about data extracts from databases and things like that. Tablet doesn't have the tools or the at least in my brain, the way for me to do layout work for those reports, write the code, and I'm sure there's somebody out there going to me, you're a freaking idiot. If you use this or this or this, you can do it. But I, I, I can't make that part of it work. I do compose some documents. I'll do some rudimentary composition of documents, um, not as complex or nor as lengthy as the type of stuff that you do when you're writing articles and things like that. But I am starting to be able to do a little bit more of that, and I still then take them over to the PC, whether it's uh, my Mac here at home or a Windows machine at work, and then clean them up and put them in the final form that they have to go out in. And I can't use Pages at work. I can start a document in Pages um, because I've gotten it fairly well to translate between Pages and uh, Word. I can make that pretty seamless and only have to do some minor tweaks that don't bother me. So I'm good there, but I think you're going to see a definite split, and I think it's a narrow gap now between the people that use a PC and the people that use a tablet. But I think it's going to get wider and wider and wider. And the PC market will shrink. I don't know how to shrink. I'm not going to try to speculate on the size of the PC market, but I do think that the tablet market is going to grow. I already have, I can count... I would say roughly half a dozen friends that I have that have transitioned 90% of what they do. Uh, again, not, not in their professional lives, but 90% of what they do on a personal basis, they're doing on tablets now. They It came time, they said, Kevin, do I buy a new laptop or do I buy an iPad or an Android tablet? I said, try a tablet. I would tell some of them, try a tablet. And they literally can do it. My daughter used to use the laptops and stuff that, and the computers that I'm pointing over my shoulder, nobody can see but Mark, but the, the computer's sitting behind me on the counter. 
And now that she's got an iPad mini like yourself, I mean, not that she's doing productive work. She does do creative things on it. Um, she spends probably 95% of her computing time on that, and that is where she wants to be. That's the platform she wants to be on. And she's just as happy to stay there. So I, I think you're just going to have a divergence. People that want the information, but they don't care how they consume it, and they're willing to consume it on a uh, on that type of device. And as the devices become more versatile, they'll continue. I don't think the desktop PC will completely go away, but I also don't think the innovations and changes that we've seen, the huge leaps... Um, you know, despite the new IMAX with the thin bezel and all that sort of thing, and I'm not so sure I would buy one of those. Matter of fact, if I had to buy a new machine right now, I really think I'd buy a mini and just mm -hmm. buy it to go with it. So I, I don't see them ever disappearing, but I think they'll become a smaller and smaller market. I think because you look at things like at, what is it, the Asus or Asus. Um, the one that you click the keyboard on, like those Windows oh, tabs. the Transformer. Uh, yeah. Those things are amazing. We had a couple of them we experimented with at work. And the Android operating system wasn't the greatest, but if you could get it a little, you know, some tweaks and some upgrades to it, that could be my machine. And I mm -hmm. could use it 80, 90% of the work I do because I could, you know, when I need the keyboard and I need that type of input and that... And the rest of the time, I could do tablet type of work on it and be just as happy. The only the only draw the other drawback for me, and I know they'll accomplish this at some point. Uh, Motorola actually stepped into the market a little bit was with these tablet devices and stuff. I really, I I mean, you know, I sit here with three screens in front of me. I've got a 27, 23, and a 22 inch monitor here. At work, I've got a 24 and a 19 that I use. I need that screen real estate as I get older and my eyes and they're, they're not as good as they once were um, for certain things. So there's certain types of work that I do need that screen real estate for. And Motorola, was it three years ago, I guess? They had that phone out, uh, ran Android, that could dock into what looked like a laptop. And I think that concept, I'm not saying it's a phone, I'm not saying it's an iPad, it's you're carrying your computing device and then you put it into a receiver or dock of some sort um, and you've got all your stuff there with you as we become more dependent and more using of the cloud stuff and that's the other thing for people to make that transition over to the tablets I think based on what we're seeing currently and where I think we see the market going people are going to have to depend more on cloud services and be willing to accept cloud services mm. more use these devices now, that's something that I'm still not... I use a lot of cloud services, don't get me wrong. That's something I'm still not ready to put all my data up in the cloud. And Nightwise, please forgive me. I know <laughs> I know how he talks about doing things like that and all that. Um, I, I just... I'm not comfortable putting all my stuff up there. I still like to have... Uh, maybe it's old-fashioned physical contact. I mean, we've talked about buying physical media and things like that, but... You know, I guess that's my take on it. I, I think desktops will stay. I just think they're going to be the exception. We're tapping now the exception. I think they're going to change places 
desktops are going to be more could be the exception. Tablets are going to be the more standard thing. You'll probably have something like a TV that can receive your device, and you'll throw it into that, work with it there. You go to your car, you'll throw it in your car, and it'll do whatever it needs. You know, it, it it'll be a multi-platform. But it's I mean, think about uh, I've heard Bart Bouchotts talk about it with Star Trek. You know. Think about it. They had computing devices. When they needed a big computer, they had the computers on the ship. When they needed the tablet thing that uh, Kirk would always sign, they had that. When they needed the portable thing like the tricorder, they had that. They'll adapt themselves, and they'll become different devices. So I don't think anything's going to go away. I just think the use patterns are going to change, and what we do with the individual device will dictate, or what we're doing will dictate the device that we use. Hmm. Does make sense. And, you know, it's just one of those interesting topics, you know, always foretelling the future. We never know what's going to happen. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, you know, certainly the tablets aren't quite there yet. You know, there's still, just in basic usability, uh, you know, you still have to use a physical keyboard, really. Uh, when editing text because trying to navigate on the screen and, and tap areas that you need to edit just gets too hard at times but it's certainly I think there's just more innovation in the tablet space and I, I can just see it going forward in that side of things and, and the big desktop systems that again left behind um, you know I'm, I don't keep my attention I guess really too much on processors and what's happening in the processor world uh, but certainly if you just look at what's happening in the Mac world, you know, the Mac Pro is now four years since they actually did a major refresh, I think it was. And for professionals who need the power, you know, they can't just sit by and, and wait for that to to catch up. And it's like, I don't know, you sort of look at it and you think, okay, there is that professional market that will always need that truck with the analogy. But then... Is it, are they going to get the products that they actually need or are we sort of going to plateau, if you will? Um, you know, it, I mean, obviously we're adding more and more threads to every single processor generation that comes out. They're finding faster ways to, to you know, push power through uh, to run cooler chips and run more powerful chips. And I actually know that this is one topic that the man who shall remain nameless would know a lot about because uh, he's in that kind of industry. Um but it's just interesting. Is there an upper limit? I mean, obviously we know that, you know, there's the, the 3 point, whatever, 3.4 gigahertz sort of peak that each individual um, processor sort of hits at before then you start duplicating them. Uh, obviously there's a, a reason why you can't necessarily go faster. I'd say it's due to, to heat and power requirements, or I should say cooling more so. Um so, yeah, you sort of look at where is the processor world going? You know, we're, we're multi-processors on single chips. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to think of. I just don't see that there's desktop processor innovation happening either. And maybe I'm completely wrong. I just, is that why maybe Apple is stalling with the Mac Pro? Uh, because there's no high-end processor to come in and actually really... Uh, take it to the next level from where it is. Well, you know, that's true because I look at, uh, I, like I said, I'm sitting in front of a quad-core i7 machine. I have yet 
to rarely can I max this thing out and do everything it needs to do. And this is a machine that, you know, is like I said, it's a year and a half old. I fully expect to get at least another three years out of this machine easily. Um, I don't think, unless there's something that I don't know, unless we move into the 128-bit computing world and I get left behind because this is only a 64-bit machine. But I just don't see, like you, I don't see the the leaps and bounds in that. I think it's it's more adapting the computing power we have to the uses that we want. We we want to be more mobile. We want to um, we want to move around. We don't want to be tied to our desks like we've always been. I mean, think of the boon that laptops brought. Then the boon of having Wi-Fi connectivity to your corporate network and things like that, and how it enabled people to move around and do work in, in, in collective groups in better ways. So that's what it's going to take. I mean, or that's what's going to happen. You're going to see that type of changeover. Um, you, we already know people in, in uh, both on a personal and professional level that are able now to people such as yourself that work from home. Uh, but then to get a change of pace, they can pick up and go work at a Starbucks or, you know, a, a coffee shop or something. That was unheard of not that many years ago that you could get up and go do something like that and, and get real work accomplished and make real goals. Oh, so yeah, I th- definitely. So I think, you know, it's, it's an adaptive, fluid model that's going to change as we change our work habits. I mean, working from home, that's really not that old of a thing either. I mean, in my work, in my work life, my professional working life, I remember the first time I heard somebody talking about they work from home. It's like, wow, you know. I thought it was like just mind blowing. And now, just today, I I I had to leave work a little early. I came home, I logged in, started up a virtual workstation on our corporate LAN, and it's no different. You know, I'm on my in the office. I mean, being sitting in the office other than one or two applications that I have specifically on my la- corporate laptop that weren't on this virtual workstation. And I'm just tinkering away, you know, going through and doing my thing. So it, it's an adaptive work pattern, and we're adapting to it, and the devices are coming together um, sort of, I won't say like the singularity, but, you know, it's it's that changing and flowing. As the devices changes, we change. And I think the the move is not to be strapped and tied to a desk, mm-hmm. not tied to a fixed point. Uh, but there are times when that is valuable. And I, you know, the I as I said, I think you'll be able to dock these devices. You'll be able to stick them into a TV or something like a TV. You know, I don't know. I think before long, people will quit paying cable bills. They'll just be paying, and people are already doing this. But I think it'll be widespread. How much was your data bill this month? Mm-hmm. And you, data bill, you're talking data used on your phone, data used on your tablet, data used on your computer, data that you use to watch television, data that you use to consume movies. It's your data bill. It's it's just like paying for your water, paying for your electricity. You're not going to have cable TV and all this stuff. You're just going to be paying data bills. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what. Certainly, I'd love that idea of the future. It just you know. It, it works really well. And, and, you know, from my side of the fence, uh, you know, the whole working from home scenario, uh, you know, I, I can do that work around the world, 
you know, I um, everywhere that I actually work and get an income from is not in Australia. I do not work for a single company in Australia. I work for, you know, businesses throughout the US. And I can do all the work now on the iPad thanks to the internet. And it's like, it's just getting more magical as time goes on, more amazing as time goes on. So, uh, you know what? The future looks good. I can't wait to see what the next five years has in store for us. I think it's going to be a very exciting time. And, you know, I heard, uh, who was it I heard to say the other day? I said, that's, I have no regrets about as I age. I mean, I'm happy getting older, no problems there. I'm just, the only thing I regret is what I won't live to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of the changes that have occurred in my lifetime, the changes that will occur in my children's lifetime. I want to see it all. Yeah. I, I, I want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to know the end. I don't want to know the end of mankind. I don't want to know that. I just want to see where the technology... That's what makes us technology geeks, I guess, because we always want to see what the next great thing is. And, and if the one thing that I'll have that um, that, that, that is, or not have, that disturbs me the most about getting older is, what am I going to miss? What is going to be just beyond my last day on this planet? So, it's... You know what, that, that hits me as well. And, and, you know, I'm a good 20 years younger than you. I think we've established that already. And it's just, it's one of those things that I even think that as well. It even worries me. I look at my kids and think, wow, I'm actually jealous of you because you're going to see and experience so much more. And I... I want to see that. I want to be part of that. Um, unfortunately, you know what? You can't beat the time clock. That's the, the biggest disappointment. Uh, if, if we ever found the fountain of youth or the singularity, I would be the happiest man in the world, but I'm, I'm sure the singularity won't come in my lifetime. And even if it did, I'm sure that the stupid governments of our world just wouldn't let us use it. Yeah, I I, I kind of feel like we're like Sheldon. We're, what does? How does he talk about it? He wants to live until he can be his oh god no well, until the singularity i think is, is pretty much his his plan until it his mind can be merged with machine yeah exactly and that's what he wants and um i i as, as geeky as it sounds that's the part that yeah i don't want to miss the physical pleasures of life don't get me wrong i like the physical pleasures of life but too much info, and on that note, uh, let's close out geekiest show ever for this week. Uh, Kevin, where can the listeners find out more about you? You can always find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A, or go over to about.me uh, slash Kevin Alder and uh, see the links to other things I might have been involved in or might have been accused of. Fantastic. And for anything relating to me, simply head across to markgreentree.com. And for anything relating to the show, check out geekishowever.com. Please send feedback to gsa at mymac.com. And we'd love to see some feedback on iTunes. If you can take the time to either give us a, a star rating or uh, just, you know, give us some feedback, a, a piece of written feedback, uh, constructive criticism, we, we're more than happy, uh, praise, We'd be even happier again. So uh, whatever you're willing to give. So thank you for listening and subscribing. Until next week, take care. And don't forget, between now and next week, to hug a geek. Hello, I'm Mike McPeak from Bard on the Plains podcast. Growing up on the plains of South Dakota, I used to listen to my dad tell stories about his life. 
I never had a chance to record any of these, but I realize that everyone has a story to tell. And that's what I try to do on this podcast. Tell anecdotes of my own and have other people tell their stories in their words and in their voice. So please listen to Bard on the Plains podcast. It's about stories. Mine and yours.